merch has been dropped. Girlies, you finally can get your wellness god hat. You can finally get your sil- silly little walks, clubs, t-shirt. You can get your what the fuck is CMOS sweatshirt. We got stickers. I am excited for you guys to post on Instagram and all the fucking drip this summer. It's going to be in your doors. In your doors. On your doorsteps. <laughs> in the speedy time. May 6th. Speedy time. May 6th. You receive your t-shirt. You throw her on. You're going to be the hottest bitch. On the streets. I need to see photos of everyone in it. So I was saying to Emma, once the merch is in the world, you know, I'll be posting up in the merch in my own personal Instagram. Abby. But I want to do a carousel, like a little Instagram slideshow of the best merch submissions I get. Like if I see a photo of you in your merch, you will get a f- on my Instagram feed. You will get an Instagram feed post. You will get a stories post. Yeah, I, you're everywhere. Um, we were so excited to be figured out the merch. Emma came over and I was like, oh my God, are we going to be able to figure this out? Like, we have we to We were podcast. watching like videos of like, how to set up a payment. What is a fulfillment site? And I was like, oh my God, this is like us learning the alphabet. I have no idea how this fucking works. But you know what, girlies? We cracked the code. We figured it out. You All as well. Conquer your dreams. It's only 1.52 p.m. Emma already had a Zevia and now we're both on our caffeine-free cola. So you know it's, it's going to be a good episode today. Great episode. We are so excited for everyone to have the merch. We just like want to give you guys a little bit of a treat to keep things going. Next up on the docket is that there is a fucking chlorophyll let shortage. Me, let me tell I'm you sorry, guys. Please. Okay. You know what? Apparently, you know, Kate and I, as much as we are, we like to consider ourselves internet girlies, we are not on TikTok. But apparently, TikTok girlies be freaking out over chlorophyll. And I you know it's what? really polarizing. I'm like, what's the deal here? Yeah. And you know what? I am experiencing the, the TikTok's impact. Mm-hmm. I have been to Columbus Circle Whole Foods. I have been to my local health store. I have been to Bowery Whole Foods twice. Guess what? No fucking chlorophyll. I cannot be a wellness god without my chlorophyll. Yeah. Like, like I'm, I don't know what to do. And you, some of you are listening to this intro and probably go leave us a hater review on Apple <laughs> Podcasts. Like, they're talking about chlorophyll and their voices are so annoying. You know what, bitch? Everything's relative. Let me just have my moment with chlorophyll, okay? But yeah, um, so I'm going to be scouring lower Manhattan health stores for chlorophyll. Like, I think I'm going to go to four different stores to see if they have it. Maybe I'll find it in my first store and be blessed, but I don't fucking know. Um, you know, I'm going to got vax last week which feels like whew, a whirlwind ago that feels like years we've done a lot since then um we're kind of being undisclosed in some of the things we're pursuing you guys aren't gonna know i mean not gonna know here's how i'll describe it we're doing something that is a business and it's related to the podcast and everything we've put out on the internet it is not affiliated name wise with what the fuck is cmos we have purchased a domain on the internet that's all I'm going to say. That's all we're going to say. If and you want to if you want to talk business, you can DM me, but we're not sharing any proprietary you know, information. In a year, you'll you'll see you'll get the full story of how it all began. But Truly really hold on to your what the fuck is CMOS merch because if you have that, yeah, in 5 years, that is going to be vintage and it's going to be worth something because this new venture we're going down is going to be the next thing. The next thing. And mm-hmm. that's all we're going to say. But this episode is called What the Fuck is Regulated? I think it's kind of funny, you know, if like, let's say it's someone's first time listening to the podcast and it's, the title is What the Fuck is Regulated by What the Fuck is CMOS? <laughs> People are going to be like, this episode, this podcast is messed. But please take out your notebooks for this episode because this episode is going to be about when you look at a supplement, what should you pay attention to? What are important labels? What should you trash in the, toss in the trash? We just want to give you guys like a consumer guide of what to do. So it could be a good one to take notes on. Yeah, because you know what? You don't ever really think of these things until you fucking are Are staring at the product in the grocery store. And no one wants to fucking like be going down a Google rabbit hole for 30 minutes staring at valerian root. Like, no. 
We're here to help you cut through the bullshit, know what is real, what is fake. And then you get approached by an employee who's like, do you want help? And you're like... And you're like, literally fuck off. Well, that. But you're just <laughs> like, I have Google out and I've already been down a rabbit hole. I don't know. I don't know. I, I get more confused when people talk to me because there's so much information. So mm-hmm. this is going to be... You are going to be able to create a list when you are going to the supplement section and know what to get. Especially like at a local place. It's not going to just be relevant to New York. So it'll be understandable to all the girlies. But welcome to episode 25 and let's get into the business. Okay, hey girlies, we're back and we're going to get into what the fuck is regulated. So if you know me personally, I'm very into politics, government structures, administration, bureaucracy. I'm not going to get too wonky into this podcast, but going to make it digestible. Just like why the supplement industry is so confusing, because I'm sure you all experience it. If you are a wellness god like us, you go into the store and you have no idea what certifications mean anything and what's all bullshit. So a basic history of it is that there's going to be two bodies of government that regulate supplements in the U.S. So if you're an international CMOS girly, everything's going to be very different to you guys. But over here in this fucked up country, we have two things. One's called FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. That deals with product labeling. So when you look at packaging, inserts, any of that shit. The second one is going to be the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. So if you're already lost, the FTC is just like advertising marketing. That's going to be the biggest thing that relates to your supplements. Basically... Congress passed this big act called the NLEA, doesn't really matter, but it updated food labels to look like the nutrition labels that we all know and love now. So like when you look on your Zevia, like Emma and I are drinking right now, and you see nutrition facts, one serving, calories, that happened in 1990 because Congress was like, yo, we need to make this food, all these food products more standardized and easier for people to understand. Originally, every single supplement was included in that category, but then there was a huge deregulatory push to like have supplements in this wild world. You could read a lot of articles if you want to about like the pharmaceutical industry and the lobbying about like why supplements are not regulated like drugs are, but that's how that happened. So now there's this new form of legislation called the DSHEA, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, which defined the word dietary supplement. Basically, all you got to know is that supplements are not treated the same as food or drugs. They do not need approval before the FDA. I'm going to repeat that. They do not need approval before the FDA. So every supplement that you've bought, your chlorophyll, your multivitamin, they are marketed towards you, but they are not regulated by the government. The only time that the manufacturer, so let's say Moon Juice or Whole Foods or your health store has to go to the FDA to clear a product is if they include something that's new. So let's say you have a probiotic and they're using things that have been used since the 1950s. Seed probiotic or Gaia Herbs turmeric root, they don't have to go to the FDA to do anything. So they could technically fill the product with random stuff. Okay, you're with me. So it seems like there's literally nothing that's regulated. What are these words like recommended mean or whatever? You know, there's other buzzwords. So there's going to be no standardized amounts when you look at a product. Emma and I were looking at, not going to drop the brand name, but we were we're looking looking at a brand supplement. We're looking at the nutrition label, like Mm -hmm. I was mentioning, but on a supplement label, remember, it's different because there's no standardized amount of vitamins and minerals. So there's only recommended amounts of your daily vitamin D. So you as a consumer are like, do I need 500 IUDs or 1,000 IUDs? No idea. So it's on the manufacturer to ensure the safety, but there's no rules about serving size. So with I've thought about this specifically when I've gone to purchase CBD. I'm like, okay, is is this going to kill me or am I not going to feel anything? The decision is all made by the manufacturer. So when you're looking at 
20 different CBD bottles, they all could contain different amounts of CBD. And that's why the biggest thing you see on products is going to be this product is not regulated by the FDA. So supplements cannot claim to cure a disease. It can't say like, this is going to cure cancer. Only drugs can do that. So as I said before, the FTC is the main body. The only things the FCT really has done is if there's misleading or untruthful lawsuit or um, advertising on products, there have been a few lawsuits. But basically, like supplements, when you're thinking about something that's proving a health claim, I'm going to get more into health claims in a bit, you would think like, okay, this has to be proven in a clinical study on 700 people. With supplements, though, products can be manufactured without clinical studies. They don't need to meet that burden of evidence. Okay, so that was a little bit wonky. You're with me. So it doesn't seem like anything is regulated. Correct. The FT- FDA and the FTC do not care if you live or die. We're out here <laughs> doing God's work, though, to make you guys educated consumers and not be scammed. Exactly. So the burden is basically pushed on the manufacturer, the company that you're buying from to do the right thing. You can think about all the negligence of like brands wanting to fill the products with random shit or not actually include the highest grade quality of a product. So when we get to these health claims that you see, you know, this is going to boost libido or improve mood or I don't know, random health claims. There are three different type of dietary sup- or claims that dietary supplements can put on products, which I thought was very interesting. So I'm going to give you the three types. The first one is health claims. So the FDA can issue regulations after reviewing and evaluating the scientific evidence around supplements only if the manufacturer wants to do so. So this could be like... In 10 clinical studies, the vitamin D levels of these patients increased. Cool. That makes sense. The nutrient content claims. So this is the level of nutrient in a product. So when you look at words, Emma and I were looking at products and we're like, what's the difference between low sodium and reduced sodium? I have no idea. You would think they mean the same thing. Yeah. Or like light or high or low or free. The word healthy um, it's an natural. Imp- yeah. Healthy is an implied nutrient content claim and it characterizes a food as having a quote healthy level of fat, saturated fat, cholesterol. But it's like, it's so confusing to the consumer and percentage claims too. So like back to what we we're talking about with supplements. So there's no da- established daily value for most of these supplements about how much vitamin D a person needs or how much valerian root you need before <laughs> bed, let's say. So that goes up to the company. Like they could say like this has 3% of your daily omega-3 fatty acid ratio without that needing FDA approval. Okay, so it's all fucked. The next one is going to be a structure or function claim, which is talking about the role of a nutrient and how it affects the function in your body. So this is when they're making sweeping claims like calcium builds strong bones. Yes, that is proven by clinical studies. But if a supplement talks about like this will improve your zinc levels, it has to say in a disclaimer that the FDA has not evaluated this claim. So when you are going to go buy your little immune shroom blend or your immunity tonic or whatever, it could, you know, the, the supplement could talk about how this is going to boost your vitamin C levels, but it also has to have a disclaimer that the FDA has not evaluated this. So that's why you should take everything with caution when you are evaluating these health claims. The last thing is like, how far can companies go with health claims? When does it become marketing? Legally, let's say a brand makes a reference to a nose or a throat health issue during winter season. That actually conveys a cold prevention claim, even though they're not saying this is going to cure your cold. If they say your nose is going to be less stuffy, the company's still liable and could be sued. So as a general rule, most companies will go to find clinical studies to back them up as a form of evidence. But once again, they don't really have to. 
This is the last thing that I will get into about government stuff. So what about products that are based on traditional usage? So in the wellness world, adaptogens, what else could there be? Chinese medicine, yes, any sort of like Eastern Ayurveda, medicine, yeah. any sort of traditional usage, there's going to be no different regulatory process for approving claims on your, your adaptogens or your Ayurvedic herbs under the U.S. government rules. Some other countries put adaptogens in their own category than like a vitamin C capsule. But let's say there is a traditional product that's going to aid your digestion. In the context of the ad, if they're suggesting that there's going to be some scientific evidence, but it's actually just based on what people were doing trillions of years ago, the advertiser has to have a disclaimer that this is not like real evidence because you're just basing it off of like, quote, history. So that's another thing to pay attention to, like, because I'm sure a lot of you girlies are into traditional medicine practices and are curious about how that works with government as well. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Oh, my God. Okay, what? so was finishing up the segment and then somebody's busted in the gates from uh, literally a plumber just busted into my apartment. So we're gonna get into. I was actually at the exit. Wow, that's so random. But yeah, that's all the government stuff. Basically, the FDA does not care if you live or die. <laughs> um, now we're gonna get into the consumer stuff. Hi, CMOS girlies. We're excited to introduce you to our newest podcast sponsor, Hilma. Hilma offers natural remedies for things like headaches, indigestions, and cold. I found Hilma when I was looking for some natural alternatives to medicine cabinet staples and pharmacy brands. Here are some of our favorite Hilma products that we've tried out. I've tried out their immune support. It's a single serving of six essential ingredients to help boost your immune system. It includes things like echinacea, vitamin C, and more. The products are formulated by doctors and holistic practitioners, so you get the best of both worlds. My favorite thing I've tried by Helma are their new elderberry immune gummies. Most gummies on the field and in the market tend to have fillers and other suspect ingredients that you don't really know what you're consuming in the products. Hilma, however, has no fillers, dyes, or synthetic sweeteners and flavors in their immune gummies, which is why they stand out to me as a consumer. Hilma really makes you feel good about what you use to feel better without the side effects or toxic mystery ingredients in their products. Also, Hilma is founded by three women who saw a need for this and got to work. We love to support that. They take ingredient transparency seriously and use the highest quality of natural ingredients. So if this sounds like a good fit for you guys, you can go to hilma.co backslash CMOS. It's spelled H-I-L-M-A dot co slash CMOS to shop all of their natural solutions and you'll get 20% off your order. You can use the code CMOS20, of course, for 20% off. And it's time for you to give your medicine cabinet an upgrade by using Hilma. Now back to the podcast. You know, Emma and I can't shut up about starting your day with the perfect oatmeal toppings. And you're probably thinking, what could be better than securing a bag of maca powder or matching with a boy who actually knows what adaptogens are? Um, hello, a large and juicy medjool date. That's why we're so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Julie's. Julie's is a pantry staple for all the wellness gods. Their hand-picked medjool dates from Coachella Valley, California are certified USDA organic, naturally vegan, and free of all allergens. There is no better way to snack on Jolie's than with your favorite nut butter or on a bowl of oats. And Jolie's even has a date syrup to drizzle on a stack of pancakes. So if you want to taste some Jolie's for yourself, definitely use code CMOSGIRLIES for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show. 
Tincture, tincture, tincture. Get on the tincture train, CMOSC release, because today's sponsor is Wooden Spoon Herbs. My favorite from Wooden Spoon Herbs is the Fire Cider to kickstart my immune system. Anxiety Ally is my BFF, and I use her to jazz up my silly little coffee while I'm a girl boss who's on the go. If you're sick of your adaptogenic dust separating in your mug, go get some tinctures from Wooden Spoon Herbs and use code CMOSC for 15% off your order. Now back to our silly little podcast. Okay, sorry for the plumber that just interjected in my yeah, apartment. That I, was super scary. I thought I was going to get mauled in my own apartment. My heart literally came out of my chest. Yeah, I and mean, I looked at each other and I was like, this is the end. We both die in my apartment and the podcast never gets published. And you never hear from us again. Yeah, and the merch is just sitting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're going to kind of get into what different like labels and claims mean because, again, so many things have like no weight to them so it's like what the fuck like Kate said is like low sodium or yeah. like reduced sodium and like, and, like there's what, yeah there's no effort for the government to do mm-hmm. anything right now unfortunately as much as I wish like there was a bill in congress to address this there ain't I will break it to you so this is getting into like how you can best practices for you as a little CMOS girl yeah so let's probably get into like the biggest one Organic. USDA organic. Like, what does organic actually mean? Because I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, it's like we all have, like, a vague idea, but also, like, we really don't. Yeah. Um. So, organic has kind of, like, lost the integrity of the word um, versus back when it became, like, established in the 1970s. So, before the federal organic standards took place, organic was mainly associated with small farms or local communities. And now that it's, like, such, like, a big business, massive corporations have infiltrated themselves into the space. And so... Now it's kind of, like, run by just, like, a few major companies, and it's, like, a very much, like, a globally sourced thing. Um, But organic typically means, and, well, it does mean that there's no GMOs, pesticides, herbicides, synthetic fertilizers, or antibiotics used in the production and the growing of your fruits and vegetables or your, like, meat, poultry, eggs. Now there's four different levels of organic food certification, which I really had no idea about. So the first one is going to be 100% organic certified. So this is where all ingredients and the processing aids must be certified organic, and they will have the USDA organic seal on their product. Next is going to be organic certified. So all the agricultural ingredients must be certified organic, but but they may contain up to 5% non-organic content. And these food products can still use the USDA organic seal. And then the third will be made with organic ingredients. So this is any product that contains up to 70% certified organic ingredients, but they may not use the USDA organic seal, but they can still say that they contain organic products. And then the last one will be specific organic ingredients. So this is anything that contains less than 70% of certified organic ingredients and they may list these as organic on ingredients list. So that's why when you look at ingredient or like food labels, it'll maybe have an asterisk and it'll be like made with organic ingredient. And they may not use the USDA organic seal. So that's just kind of a rundown of the different types of like organic products. So even if you're not buying something that's 100% organic, it could still contain organic products, but it could be like the last thing on the list. Yeah. And one way I think to go about this as a consumer is some health stores, I'm not thinking your big chains like your Trader Joe's or your Whole Foods, But local health stores, they have to go through specifically with each vendor to vet products they want. So you could go up to the manager at your favorite health store and say, hey, 
are all of your products certified USC organic? What is, do you accept products that just only have organic ingredients? Because that might be a lot easier if you can just go into a store with ease and not have to individually go through each product. Um, the next one is cage free. So Emma and I now eat eggs and that was kind of a, I mean, a lot of, you know, eggs and fish, dairy, we were very serious about like sourcing and kind of had to do this research in our Mm -hmm. personal lives to figure out what to eat. Um, so cage free refers to the labels on egg cartons that are regulated by the FDA. It does not need prior approval by the agency. So there's no definition of like what cage free even means. It means it's not raised in a cage housing system. Um, does not mean they are outdoors. The next one is going to be free range. So the FDA, once again, does not have a definition of what free range means. Hens have to move freely outdoors is typically how it's used, but there's no requirements on the size or condition of the area or how long they're outdoors for. And then when it comes to beef, the free outdoor access has to be for a minimum of 120 days per year. And there's no space or condition requirements. So within what I just said, there's a lot of range for companies and, you know, small farmers, big farmers to do a lot. And And it sucks because you might think like, oh, I'm purchasing like these, you know, eggs that were you probably humanely raised but you in reality you really have no idea so it's just kind of like doing the best that you can yeah um the next one is fish so emma and i are now going to purchase or now have moved to purchasing fish and this was kind of like the biggest question mark for me because they're some of the healthiest proteins but very risky because of the mercury contamination and other toxins i mean when i was vegan i was like they would say if you eat fish you will ingest a credit card size of microplastics a week and I was like oh my god why would I ever eat fish like no I don't want to just eat plastic for like fun and pay money to eat fish but there are some ways to eat fish that are going to be sustainable for the environment healthy for you the acronym that I have like learned about I don't actually know who's coined this but it's called smash and it refers to fish that are going to be the safest and healthiest to eat So if you're taking notes right now, it will be salmon, mackerel, anchovies, sardines, and herring. Now these are your fishy fish. Um, They like taste very fishy, so you might not like the flavor of them. Typically, like most American plates are full of the fish that are shrimp, tuna, and salmon, but those are not the most nutritious options. Salmon is nutritious, but... Shrimp and tuna have a lot of complications with them. There are very poor human rights practices on shrimp farms, which we typically source from Southeast Southeast Asia. And they consume a lot of mercury in canned tuna. Like tuna is one of the worst fishes you can eat for toxin levels. So the other thing you can look out for fish on labels that I've been doing is that they are wild caught, not farm raised. The farm raised have the highest levels of toxins just because it's not happening in a natural habitat. So there's a lot of like error for farmers to have pesticides and chemicals. Next, natural. This is probably the, the biggest, biggest one <laughs> that you have probably seen. All natural this, all natural that, all natural beauty, skincare, blah, 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 blah. So most of us probably think that this means like no pesticides or antibiotics. Wrong. It means nothing. Literally nothing. Yeah. Because there's no regulation under the FDA for natural. And Consumer Reports has even tried to petition the FDA to ban it since it is like such a misleading claim. And so the USDA, however, defines natural as contains no artificial ingredient or added color, is only minimally processed, meaning that it is processed in a manner that does not fundamentally alter the product. And then many natural labeled foods, so they can still contain GMOs or, you know, be made with like, you know, herbicides and pesticides. So yeah, yeah, there's really no meaning to that. And it's just like a way for food companies to trick you into thinking you're buying a good product when in reality, 
you might just be buying a whole lot of bullshit. Yeah, and obviously, like, brands know that wellness, health, natural stuff is all a trend, a consumer trend. People want to have products that are good for you. They're marketing, and they want you to buy their product. Yeah, and, like, I think about this in context of, like, how I want to eat. Obviously, like, you don't want to be a stickler about, like, complicating every single food you purchase because that's just not healthy not affordable only few people can like eat everything that's at the highest level of certification i mean granted like i don't do everything that is the best quote um but i was gonna say like natural products it's kind of like what do you want to consume as a person and i don't think that's going to be the best way to go about like the healthiest diet or the most optimal diet for like your needs and your budget and everything yeah exactly a lot of bullshit so the next one is going to be low versus reduced sodium. Um, again, this is like a very like interesting thing that I did not know until doing research. So low sodium, it must not be more than 140 milligrams per serving, whereas reduced sodium must have at least 25% less sodium than full sodium version. So low sodium is like a little bit more regulated because there's an actual cap, whereas with like a reduced sodium product, you know, if the full sodium version has like, like a lot. 1,400 yeah. milligrams, like 25% less is like still like kind of a lot. So if you're someone who, you know, is maybe a little bit more cautious about like sodium intake for whatever reasons, look for stuff that's going to have low, low sodium on the label as opposed to reduced sodium. Yeah. The next one, hidden sugars. So we did do an episode about artificial sweeteners as Emma and I are sipping on Zevia right now and Stevia is an artificial sweetener. Mm-hmm. So if you want to hear more about the history of like how that came to market and how they were marketed towards women and dieting, go listen to that one. But with hidden sugar... Yeah, so food companies can get away with um, adding sugar through the use of different names. I know, like, this is, like, super common. It's something that I've come across with, like, granola bars. I don't really eat them, but it's always, like, the first ingredients, like, brown rice syrup. And I'm always, yeah. like, what is I, this? like, know that's probably a sugar, but also, like, is it? Like, wh- like yeah. what is this mysterious product yeah. that, like, makes every single granola bar look like a brick? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, like I said, so food companies can use different names such as barley malt, evaporated cane juice, palm sugar, rice bran syrup, etc. If you just look up different names for sugar, there's truly like a trillion, a trillion names. And then food and then food companies can also use many different types. So ingredients, as everyone knows, are listed by weight on the ingredient list. I don't actually know if people know that. Okay, well maybe you don't. If you don't know, the first ingredient that's listed on the ingredient list is going to be like what is the biggest mo- component. Yeah. yeah. And so to make products seem healthier, brands will use smaller amounts of maybe three to four different types of sugar so that they appear lower on the list. So maybe they'll use evaporated cane juice, rice bran syrup, and like barley malt. And then, you know, those are maybe at like the bottom of the list, but that could all, once you add up how much is used in each one, it could be, you know, the, the whole the thing. leading product or ingredient in the food. And I think a lot of us like have those visualizations. I don't know why I was like scammed with this, not propaganda, but like stuff in health class. I felt like in elementary school when they would show you like a Coke bottle and like visualize how much sugar is in there. I think the issue is now that when you're buying a kombucha or zevia or anything that is, quote, healthy, wellness, natural, it still could have, like, all this hidden sugar in it. Exactly. And the, another one is just, like, adding sugar to foods that you would least expect. So, like, this can be yogurt or milk. I know I have so many times I have accidentally purchased, you know, the regular almond milk. Then I come home and I realize it's the one that has, like, added sugar. And that's just, like, annoying because... You know, there's, like, so many ways where they can just write, like, you know, contains sugar or whatever, like, super small. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be, like, super prevalent on the packaging. And, of course, like, I don't know, like, sugar, too. I think that's just, like, how much you want to consume in your diet. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm going to go buy 
a pint of ice cream, I'm going to buy the one with the sugar, with the ingredients. Like, I don't want to get around with this Halo Top bullshit. So I think it's fine to, like, obviously eat sugar in your diet. Like, do whatever you want. We're not saying, like, don't Don't eat eat sugar sugar ever. Because we definitely do. Like, I eat honey. I eat, like, date syrup. I eat, like, other coconut sugar i think we're just talking more about how as like a consumer it's like if you look through all your products and you're like oh i didn't even realize that had sugar in it Mm -hmm. or there was another option and then the next one is just going to be like adding health claims to distract you from added sugar such as like low fat or light because obviously like with low fat stuff they're taking away all the fat so how do they make it you know taste delicious again they typically add a shitload of sugar so just like looking out for things like that can that can distract you yeah the next section is like, okay, I am kind of scared of everything in the store now, guys. What do I do? Um, some things to avoid and look out for. So like overarching themes we kind of touched on is that like under the law, manufacturers of supplements are responsible for making sure their products are safe before they go to market. Now, what does safe mean? That's kind of sus. Um, <laughs> like you, it sucks because the burden is placed on the consumer to do research about your favorite brands. And once again, are people going to have the leisure time to go and do that? Not really. Mm-mm. So if you want to do the research, um, I don't think people are going to. But when you're searching the internet, there's some directory of sites that are like respected organizations rather than just searching best turmeric supplement, which I have been guilty of doing. Like I've been in the aisle of the supplement store and been like, best magnesium powder and that's not the best way to go about it you should look at the site is run by a government university or reputable health association or if it has you know features from different health professionals or mds in the article versus just being like the pitch person for x supplement brand being like yes the product is great i felt great overnight anytime it uses evidence of people of customers or of employees or of ceos like yeah i've been like taking this wheatgrass powder my whole life and now I feel great that's that's not evidence at all that's like a singular isolated experience no a big debate that I think a lot of the girlies we like have heard people talk about or I feel like I'm interested in is like what's better local which is not organic or organic yeah and I think we might have touched on this in like the food and climate change episode so obviously in the dream world like it would be to buy local produce that is organic yeah but most people are probably like, well, I like have to have organic stuff because like blah, 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 blah. Pesticides. Yeah. But so I think something to keep in mind and is that the average USDA organic product travels about 1,300 to 2,000 miles, which is going to lead to a massive carbon footprint. Again, this is because so many big corporations are now, you know, realizing that organic is such like a buzzy thing. And, you know, we now source our fucking avocados from Mexico and we get like asparagus from Chile and stuff from like Asia yeah and so that stuff can still be organic but you know it you have to think about it how far it's traveled and once again I think that's like in the food and climate change when we were kind of talking about like why we're not vegan and why I still feel like I'm ethical as a consumer is because yeah the bananas that are going in your food blogger banana bread are not so ethical when the workers are not paid a fair wage and the carbon footprint of it is insurmountable exactly and so usa organic products are obviously going to be better because of pesticide free and non-gmo but they will lack freshness and nutritional value if they're getting picked before being ripe traveling in an air slush boat etc and so when it comes to shopping local it may not be certified organic and again this can also be expensive to attain as a certification so if you're a small local farmer who only grows apples like it may not be worth the time for you to go through the process of buying the certification license exactly but you know when you are shopping local you are going to be eating more in season and your food is going to be traveling less even if it's still like 400 miles away it's going to be about 17 times percent 
less oil and gas as opposed to like a USDA organic product that came from Asia. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're shopping at a farmer's market and, you know, you don't know if it, the food is organic or not, you can talk to your farmers and ask them about their practices. And, you know, I'm sure they will obviously tell you, you know, if they use herbicides or pesticides. So that's like a really great way just to get to know your like local farmers and community. Mm-hmm. And obviously supporting local makes a difference, but there are so many barriers um, such as like, you know, access and limitations and like the variety obviously you know we live in new york we're not going to be able to like have access to like everything that we need for our refrigerator Mm -hmm. you know on a daily basis so i i was gonna say like there's you know there's places that you can go like you can join a food co-op if that is accessible you Mm -hmm. could get in a csa like there are a lot of grassroots initiatives but it's a thing where like i have really wanted to do that and be like quote a better food advocate but realistically like I don't know if I can commit to that. No. Like, you can't expect... I think this is just, like, a volunteer complex thing. Like, not everyone has time to do that. And, like, my mom, granted, like, volunteers at a CSA back in Minnesota and, like, deals with tilling and composting. But that's, like, another route you could go if you really are interested in being more involved in your local food community mm-hmm. because that can be accessible. And you also can, like, multiply your power of reducing those barriers to people around you. Yeah. Like, community fridges have popped up all over New York, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I know for me, like, I would love to shop at the farmer's market, but I work every single day that they're open. open. I'm not going to go at, like, 7 a.m. to go get my apples. Yeah. That's just, like, not practical for me at this current time. Yeah. So I just think, like, a mix of both, Um, you know, if there's... Like, yeah. I buy my produce from Trader Joe's, I will admit. I do not get it from the health store because I don't want to spend $3 on a potato. So but then you go to the farmer's market to get your local honey. Yeah. So it's doing whatever works for mm-hmm. you, especially I know a lot of our podcast listeners are younger, especially if you're, like if you're in high school and like you're just gonna go out and do stuff I mean my parents would never like let me go and just be like yeah go buy all of our food at the the farmer's market you weirdo we don't have money for that yeah yeah um and next one um this is gonna be geared towards more like eggs uh so American Humane Certified they're a third-party certification program that verifies humane treatment of animals so I know when I'm trying to purchase eggs I usually try to find some one that is American Humane Certified and then also you know cage-free or free uh, range just so I know that like I am purchasing the eggs where like you know the hens and the chickens are living the best quality of life and then another one is just like third-party testing on supplements there's a whole bunch of different ones but there's like NSF international and current good manufacturing process again this is kind of annoying but like another thing that you could also do is go onto like the supplement website that you want to purchase from and like look up their like certifications or if they do any third party testing, then you can do a little bit, you know, research on those, but that is like so much work. Here's another thing. If you go onto a website and there is nothing about transparency, there's no like little buzz, like thing you can click into that talks about where their products are from, the testing, their ethics, their mission. If they don't even have some sort of greenwashing bullshit on their website, they do not care. Yeah. Like they do not care at all. Some brands will try to scrap together a website about transparency. Like I've worked at some consumer brands and I was like, damn, our sustainability thing is trash. Um, I'm not going to say what brand I'm thinking of, but I was like, this means nothing. We are greenwashing customers. I mean, granted, I was like a retail employer, like different employees, but if the company's not even making an effort to talk about sustainability or transparency, like that's a red flag. You probably should be purchasing there. And another thing with scale of customers or companies, I think a lot of times I see criticisms of people talking about brands and this brand, oh my God, their packaging is not sustainable or one thing came in plastic or like, why aren't we using mason jars yet? Small businesses do not have the money to do that. For example, I will use, I have insider information into Glossier. So you guys all know the pink pouches. 
And you also know that they had, for example, the Glossier Playline used glitter. A lot of consumers on their website were talking about how the glitter was not compostable. It took six minutes or six months, sorry, to scale that change in the supply chain. So like if you see that your a brand you like is not doing something well, email them. Definitely petition them and get your ear about like what you want to see the company doing better. But recognize that even your large glossiers, like it takes times when you think about all of the steps in the supply chain, when it goes from the makeup like manufacturer that they have, the people that are creating the bottles that you use, the people that are dealing with shipping, the actual glossier internal company. There are so many things along the way that companies have to do to make things more sustainable and more ethically sourced that like it's I think it's difficult. I mean, go yell at your fucking Amazons and your Whole Foods, whatever, to have better sourced products. But this really small brands. I think it is really good to have a relationship with them and like definitely go hit up their customer service things. But it's difficult, I would say. I hate capitalism and I hate corporations, but I do also recognize that like your local, you know, brand is not going to be able to do the same thing as Thrive Market, for example. So next is like how to spot greenwashing and health products at the grocery store and clothing slash makeup brands. Um, I just think you should be a skeptic and don't trust anything that you see again you know, food labeling and, you know, marketing claims, they're trying to get you to purchase their products. So obviously they're going to say whatever they can to, you know, entice you into purchasing. So I just, you know, if something that they say, such as natural or like healthy, those like have no like weight to them. And they're probably just signs of greenwashing. Yeah. And it is difficult because there is, there are a few blurred lines between is this marketing or is this a health claim? Mm-hmm. And I just think don't fall down the rabbit hole of thinking every pro- any product is going to cure a health claim. No. Unless you are being prescribed it by a doctor to go and take it, it I don't know. Like, Emma and I take supplements. Yeah. Like, I take chlorophyll. Do I think it's going to improve my digestion? I don't know. I just think the whole world of like influencer, like trusting what your friends say for recommendations, people aren't doing their own research into targeted supplements. And if you look at the word supplement, what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to supplement your diet. It's supposed to be targeting a health concern. You shouldn't just go take chlorophyll because your little TikTok teenies are taking it, right? Do Emma and I take chlorophyll? Yeah. Yeah. So like this is, a, I think, a blurred line too of like our own consumer behaviors as well. Um, The next one that I kind of want to get into is that like, I said in the beginning, like, is there any hope for this? Like, will the government regulate this? No. As long as we got fucking Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, we're not having any regulation. But right now, what we're no what the government system we're in right now, it's called a passive regulatory regime. If you want to talk more about politics, DM me. But basically, like, the burden needs to be shifted on these supplement companies to meet higher standards because right now the FDA has to demonstrate if products are unsafe. Like they have to look at the serving sizes and the usage conditions and the intended purpose to check if manufacturers, like it almost has to go through a lawsuit before like moon juice to get sued or ritual to get sued or something like that before consumers actually know if what they're purchasing is good. So that's just a government thing that like we got to wait until, you know, the government starts to regulate this. But in the meantime, it's kind of on you to do shit and that sucks, but unfortunately, but hopefully, you know, we helped you yeah. in learning what everything fucking means. If you took good notes, maybe you'll be able to go through the supplement store better. Probably not. I don't probably know. Not. <laughs> I, I'm still going to probably struggle. Yeah, I'm going to struggle. But I think what, like we were saying earlier, going into a store, knowing what you're going to get, if it's not a specific product, maybe having a list of a few things like dosage that you want for your magnesium product or the strain of magnesium or 
yeah, you know, how many pills and capsules and sourcing. But I think a really good thing that's like an easy thing is talking to, if you're going to health stores, talking to the store manager, just becoming a local health god. That could be a fun little becoming thing. Becoming a local health god. Because then if you want like a product in the store, like they don't carry your favorite chocolate bar, maybe you could be like, hey, why don't you guys stock Who Kitchen? And you could get that in the works. So who knows? Maybe you'll have some fun things happening to you. Like that, another day. Another day in podcast land. Another day in the bag is secured. Um... Episode 25, what the fuck's regulated? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing is regulated. That's the answer. The FDA don't care if you live or die. Um, I'm and I are going to get back to chatting with y'all in Geneva because we're so hyped about the merch. Yeah, that's really just... Kate and I really came into this pod having no energy. Then we, I was like, Kate, let's do the merch before we pod. Think that was a game changer. Because, wow, I feel like a whole new person now. The brain synergy. I can walk all the bridges in Manhattan. I know, and it's so bright outside. I'm kind of scared because it's cold outside, but, you know, Emma and I are ready to be girl bosses and find our fucking chlorophyll. Maybe we go on a walk and find yeah, it. Yeah, we need to find chlorophyll because I'm going to be pissed if I go to one place and it's out and you go to one place and, and it's, it hasn't. Yeah. All right, chlorophyll, chlorophyll walk for the besties, but we love you besties. Give us five stars in the Apple Review Store, please. It means so much to us. We can still keep making merch for you guys yeah. and doing this shit. Peace and love, peace and love, peace out. Thank you for listening to the What the Fuck is CMOS podcast. <laughs>